Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Slizzy, and I got my guy, Mr. Mitchell, in the building. Episode 84. It's been a long time coming, brother. It's been a couple weeks, actually, um, since All-Star break, since the last time we've spoken together. Um, how you doing, brother? Yeah, bro. I'm, I'm doing good. Um, good. Good to get back online and talk to the people and talk some basketball again. Yeah, um, but yeah, doing fine. It's been a it's been a good couple of weeks actually. Um, for me and my eyes for the Knicks. Um, I know we got we we actually got a lot to talk about actually on this episode because me and you haven't spoken to each other personally. I haven't gotten your personal takes or everything that's been going on. So I think um. Let's go down the line, man. Um, let's. I guess we could start with the Leon Rose thing. Um, I want. Let's start with that. Yeah, you. You've been giving me a lot of interesting takes on Leon Rose, and now I'm seeing reports about, you know, Tom Thibodeau coming out. You know, I hate Tom Thibodeau. Um, Jeff Van Gundy. You know. What's your takes on Leon Rose? Do you see more pros than cons, or do you see more cons than pros? Um, okay, when 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 the news broke, um, you know, and I'm still am at the moment. I'm a bit skeptical because obviously uh, Dolan wants to try and take the same approach as the Warriors and the Lakers. Now, in saying that. I don't really think so far you could say Palinka's done the best of jobs, um, you know, in his position, whereas Bob Myers, on the other hand, has actually fully proven himself um, capable of being in the front office. But we have also seen in the past where hiring an agent to be your top guy has failed miserably. Um, Now, with Leon Rose, um, you know, like, like any agent, you've got half the people that respect and like him, and then you've got half the lot of people that just can't stand to work with him. Uh-huh. Uh, same, same thing that, that happened and is still happening a little bit to Palenka. Um, you know, he was respected by some but hated by a fair amount of people, um, you know, and I think that's why he's found it tough in his position. I mean, you know, um, the you, Lakers. You want to know what's crazy, bro? That you're yeah. talking about Rob Palenka. You see how all these guys is getting bought out. Nobody's going to the mm-hmm. Lakers, but everybody's going to the Clippers. Then finally, exactly. you know, the Morris Morris twins, they both end up in LA. Yeah. I find it funny how people already gave, you know, already gave him the king, already gave him the crown with his mm-hmm. Lakers before he even won a championship, and I look and I'm looking at the Lakers roster, bro. And I'm yeah. like, when LeBron goes to the bench, who's the who's the ball handler? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, when you look at the Clippers, you're like, damn, well, they got Reggie Jackson, Jesus, they got they got Mook from us, you know. Shout outs to Mook. Um, and this was and this was the surprising thing. Eventually, the truth came out when it pertains to Reggie Jack. There was a lot of talk going around saying, "Oh, yeah, the Lakers did try," but apparently, in the end of it, the Lakers didn't even bother. The Lakers did not bother trying to try to get Reggie Jackson. I have no idea why, because they kind of need 
you know, yeah. that point guard, you know, I know he's not the greatest point guard out there. He never has been. He kind of has overrated himself a bit himself in past years. Um, I think that's what caused trouble with him in OKC and originally when he was down there, but he still would have been a good pickup um, for the Lakers, you know, because they really haven't got anyone there point guard wise that, that can score. Um, you know, Rondo's not that type of, of guy. Um, you know, he never has been. Um, but yeah, they just, they don't have anyone really handling the ball. Um, I would have preferred possibly to see him give um, a little bit more minutes than what they have been to Quinn Cook to just see if, if he could, you know, step up and take that once LeBron's off the off the court yeah, for a few minutes terrible. and that. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he's been absolutely shocking. I mean, he, he's been as bad as, as Theo Pinton has for the Nets, like just standing on the sideline pretty much being a cheerleader for him, you know what I mean? So, so um, yeah, anyway, back to Leo Leon Rose. I mean, the, you know, it's too early to tell just yet how it could go, but, I mean, he could be in a tough position, end up being in a tough position like Palinka and having the same kind of issues. As I said, the only agent that seems to have succeeded or you could say has succeeded in, in that top role has been Bob Myers. Um, but the, but the to, let me throw a wrench in there real quick, right? When you look at the media, when you look at people who talks about Leon Rose, I haven't read one bad article about him. I haven't seen nobody talk bad about him. I haven't seen nobody say, oh, well, he did this to this agent. I've seen people talk bad about Rob Palenka. So, yes, yeah. The only, the only, the only couple of people I, I have heard sort of be, I wouldn't say negative things, but they're, they're sceptical, is Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman when they were talking about it when that when it first was announced. And Stephen <laughs> was kind of sitting back going, well, is this another just sort of reaching type move or, or what it is? That where I can see positives, though, if I, if I can talk about a positive for a minute. Now, he, he's had some talent underneath him from Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, mm-hmm. well, Devin Booker, I think, was underneath him at one stage. I mean, you know, he, he'd have connections with players that he – Yep, that he's sort of, you know, been manager for and, all, and an agent for. Um, so there, there could become a positive there. Um, but, again, that's just sort of a wait wait and see. Um, you know, I, I think it's more of a wait and see at the moment. I, we, we can't straight out say this is going to work. We can't straight out say it, it's not going to work. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see, mm. the, you know, when he gets, when he fully takes on the position, what what's he going to do? Um, I act, we, you know, I think the one sort of backdrop that's happened is worldwide. Wes isn't going to be joining him. Um, I think that could have been a little bit more helpful just because of Wes's. He's got bigger connections again. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll be interested to also see what sort of team he puts together. Um, as well in the front office, um, like I, I can imagine that he's going to get rid of S- Scott Perry because oh, when yeah, a new person, com- yeah, yeah, when a new person comes into the pre, they kind of want to build their own team and hire their own people. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm skeptical only because we've seen Dolan's decisions in the past and they've backfired. Um, but yeah, I think. I think at the moment there, there's some there's a little bit of positives here for anybody that was under his agency. Um, mm-hmm. He could he could sway them to come here. Um, yeah, it's 
it's, it's all up in the air, I suppose, at the moment until we, we see a bit more of, of what his team's going to be like, what he's going to do and who he's going to hire as a coach. Um, that, that'll be that'll be an important move, obviously. It was crazy. Um, it was crazy. Let me throw this at you, right? So what's holding up Leon Rose from being hired is this weekend, I believe, is Dwayne's, Dwayne Wade's retirement parties. And Leon Rose yeah, is the person that yeah, he's a he's the person that apparently is um hosting these parties. And then after he'll be soon, you know, become president. Let me did you read the Mark Berman article that came out and it said Knicks must give young players more minutes the rest of the way? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I read this article. And I know Mark Berman is connected within the office. He's connected within the Knicks office. I think he heard rumblings from up top that they're about to start playing the young players. And I think he wrote this article to match that, exactly what he heard. And playing the young players is something that me, you, locked on Knicks, (laughs) nothing but Knicks, yeah. Everybody, everybody, we've been screaming for this for weeks. And it's two ways Leon Rose could go about this. And I'm kind mm. of skeptical too at this point. When he has his first press conference, he's going to have to answer two questions for me. The first question is where, what is your direction? I need to know where the hell is this going? Are you going to play the kids? Can you, if you're going to, if you're going to have seven first round draft picks within the next four years, go only with the kids. I don't need to see no trades. I didn't need, I don't need to see no big splashes. I don't need to, no. You, you revamp your, your, your management team. You revamp everything, scouting department, the, the, the next issue is player development. Got to yeah, get something yeah. player development, man. It got something got to happen there. So either you're gonna go in all in on the rebuild, or you're gonna go star chasing. I don't yeah, want yeah. Carmelo Anthony parts. I mean, this little this little article I'm I'm, I'm reading about Rose. Um, I'll, I'll just read read a bit of it to you, and, and it'll just put mm-hmm. sort of as I said, this is. Is where we all kind of we kind of got to be skeptical because we've seen silly decisions by Nick in the past and Dolan in the past. It just hasn't worked out. So now the New York, New York Knicks, as we've been talking about, they've hired Leon Rose, but does that signal the Knicks are looking for yet another quick fix? Imagine Ray Charles singing "Here We Go Again" in the background. Now ask yourself: <laughs> Is the Leon Rose hire another attempt at a quick fix for the Knicks? I don't need it, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Now, this is where it gets even interesting. His credentials are strongest with regard to his numerous multi-level connections. He has been the agent for stars and megastars. He has ties to agents, GMs, and the powers in the sneaker industry. Uh, so there's no doubt that when Leon makes a call, that call is answered. That juice was provided by the players he has represented. But now Mr. Rose represents James Dolan and the New York Knicks. And what little juice goes with that position? A typical call might go something like this. After the usual pleasantries, a GM would say to Rose, what can I do for you, Leon? I'm sure we can work something out. You have a ton of prime draft choices. 
The Knicks have been wise and avoided trading the valued first-round picks thus far, and at this point they would offer up some of their players before the picks. Not Knox. He plays like his shoelaces are tied together. Keener <laughs> is a nervous nally on offense at the best of times. Sorry. Julius Randle is an excellent rebounder, but he doesn't fit our style of play. Dotson is a nice player. Yeah. Dotson is a nice player, but not worth what you're asking. Trier is an unknown and as bad as the Knicks have been. If he were any good, he would have been on the floor by now. Ditto Dennis Smith, RJ Mitchell. They all have promise. We will work something out if you throw Peyton in since we are giving up our PG. <laughs> so, And then, you know, the, the NBA title, of course, up for grabs um, and that. But the Knicks don't have a single player right now worthy of being called elite. We have two prospects who are projects uh, that yeah. could end up being elite in Mitch and RJ. Um, to, to crawl into the playoffs, we must scramble over teams with better rosters and more promising youth. A lot has to be done before the before we become an attractive destination for elite players with title aspirations. Um, now, switch to Johnny Mathias singing Chances Are. <laughs> it takes guts, patience and a thick hide to build a team through the draft. Also takes some luck and a lot of smarts. Dolan has a chronically ill franchise and he is hoping the latest snake oil on the market will work miracles. With no megastar FAs on the market and MSG being avoided like um, monosodium glutamate. Leon Rose and the <laughs> has very little juice except for future draft choices right now. Chances are the Knicks will be trading draft choices for players whose stats are better than their game. <laughs> I, skeptical, man. Skeptical. Mm. Man. I do not need a quick fix, man. Not, not right now. Not with this momentum we got. We got momentum. You know what needs to happen? I need the kids to play. Mm-hmm. And I need them to just win me 15 games within these next 20. No, not even 15. Just win me 10 games. Just win me 10 games out of these next 27 games. That's all I exactly. can ask. Exactly. Show improvement. Show these guys, look, y'all want to be here. I, I, really wanna, I really want to talk about Kevin Knox. Yeah, he – He's really concerning me, um, and I've never said this about you know me. I've never said this about Knox before. I, I've always continued on the path of patient. Just be patient. Just be patient. I'm, I'm gonna let you go off right here, man. I'm, I'm gonna let you go. Off. Yeah. Go ahead. But the concern now is, is is coming in because you know every time he goes out there, is it, it you know <laughs> he's just looking and worse at, at times, um, like he's going backwards from where he actually was. Um, and I, I don't know if it's a, if it's just on him, if it's on the coaching and, he, and himself. I, I really don't know, you know. Well, and, and I keep going going back to Calipari saying, "Oh, look, just be patient. You know, we need to wait a mm-hmm. few years and that." But I was kind of expecting, you know, him to take just that next little jump again you know what i mean and he and he hasn't nope. done it um nope. put it so put i mean it, i'm not gonna put it in this perspective put it in this perspective let me throw these three things at you and then i'm gonna let you finish yeah. on one he's playing with bobby Portis. yeah <laughs> i don't think nobody is really harping on that like nobody's really when i'm when i'm listening to everybody and they recording the YouTube shows, and I'm listening to everybody else's podcast. 
not one person, a lot of people saying it, but they're not saying these two things that tie together. They include <laughs> Kevin Knox with Bobby Portis all effing season long. It is a horrible pairing. Portis don't pass the ball. Portis don't no. play defense. It is a horrible pairing for Knox. Knox cannot play defense right now. He does not get enough shots to get in the consistent rhythm. And that is my second thing. Knox does not get the ball enough. He does not touch the ball enough in order to get a rhythm. So playing with Portis, one, not getting the ball enough, not getting enough shots, two, three, yeah. he's not starting. He hasn't nah, played. Nah. He hasn't played 30 minutes in two months. Yeah. Well, I, I, I personally think, and, and I've said this many times before, because it, it is, and Calipari's mentioned it too, it, it's all a confidence thing with, with Knox. His confidence has been absolutely crushed and destroyed, Shut. whether that's by the management or coaching staff or a combination of both. And then, of course, having Fisdale one minute, then moving on to Mike Miller, that wouldn't have, you know, that that's not helping a young guy having a change like that quickly, um, you know. And then Fisdale wasn't real. I mean, he did initially, but then he started not really using him. And then Miller's kind of started not using him all that much. And now this, this could just be me. Well, I actually thought Knox was better defensively when he was at the start of the season, when he was on the court together with Mitch. I thought Let that me, was a better pairing for Knox. I disagree with you. I think Knox been playing better defense as of lately. It's just his offense just been purely shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, like, I, I like the pairing at the same time on the court of, of Mitch and Knox over Knox and Portis, that's for sure. Um, because sure. at least at least Mitch, when he gets the ball, if if he's not, you know, obviously right there under the hoop and can score himself, he will pass. He's not like Porter's who won't stick to his hand. But I remember, like, uh, I think it was the game. I know he, I know he, he got pushed over by Zion. But that g- game, like at the start of the season with Zion, like he was trying his little ass off on defense. Knox, like I, I had no complaints whatsoever about him. But that's when he was on there. I'm pretty sure he was still still a starter at that point, and he was on there with with Mitch and RJ, you know, not coming in with the second unit with with Portis. Ever since they've moved him back there, and he's coming with Portis, like you said, he, he he's not barely getting a touch. Um, the ball obviously doesn't move as well around when Portis is on that court. So I mean, you know, all that's affecting him too. You know, I mean, you can't expect somebody to get some points if they're barely getting the bloody ball. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not – by no by any, no means, I'm not ready to give up on it, but n- not even bloody close. Um, I just hope that the right coach is hired that is very good at developing young guys. That That's what the Knicks need right now. They need a coach that can connect with the young guys and develop – not just connect like – Fisdale did like a father type. Like I'm talking co- coaching connection with the young guys, and that's known um, to get the best out of these young guys, you know. Um, so you need a coach that, that's going to come in and, and be like that. And, I mean, I've, I've seen all the reports and, um, you know, names thrown around, like you mentioned one earlier with Thibodeau. Thibodeau is not that co- – Thibodeau no, drives I'm, young guys into the no. ground. Look what he did. Yeah. I don't want Thibodeau as coach because I don't want him doing to RJ what he did to Derek Rose. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, no, no. 
Um, Derek Rose is is lucky to be having a career renaissance right now, that he's able to walk around right now, um, you know. So, um, no, Thibodeau, he just – it would not be good for a team of young guys. Just, just, It just wouldn't work. Um, You know, then, of course, you hear the other name mentioned – another name mentioned so far is um, Van Gundy. I mean, he would be good. Um, The question is, has he been out of – out of the game too long that he might be a bit too out of touch with today's NBA. That's the only question mark. I've got him. Would he be able to not only still bring his old school style, but introduce, you know, newer stuff? Will Would he be able to do that? Um, that's a question. Then, of course, another name being floated around, but I think it's been kind of squashed now. Um, it was Jay Wright. I don't think he's leaving college. Um, oh, a lot of people don't knows. think he'll leave college. Um, you know, same with Calipari. That he was name was brought up in the early in the piece, but he's not going to leave Kentucky. He he no. enjoys he enjoys getting young kids to the NBA. That's what Calipari loves doing. He loves seeing his students move on and make something of themselves. So I don't think the whole college route is the way to go because no. the only yeah the only one well the only college coach that's still surviving in the NBA at the moment is Brad Stevens, the Celtics coach. But he's obviously transitioned well. Um, yeah. I don't know what steps he took to to acclimatise himself to NBA coaching, but it, it's worked out there. But, I mean, look what the Cavs, they hired, like, what, gave Beeline, what, four or five-year contract, and he's already gone. He's already yeah. gone, bro. Like, let, let, me, wow. let me say something about the Cavs. This is where it comes to your team needs good leadership in the locker room. I'm talking about veterans. I'm talking about mm. Is the best players on the roster is great leaders. As soon yeah. as Andre Drummond got to Cleveland, he he got Jim Bailoff bail fired within five games. Well, yeah. you know, resigned, but he got fired. And yeah, yeah. I don't want a coach. I don't need a I don't want a college coach. I'm good mm. on John Calipari. I'm good on the, the other guy, Jay Wright, I'm good. Jeff Van yeah. Gundy, cool, okay. I think he's been away, away from the game for too long. Mark I Jackson, agree. I know Mark Jackson's name has been buzzing. I'm not against it, but it's too many, too many. Uh, uh, look, at, how can I say this? It, it's too much stuff going on when it comes to Mark Jackson. You know what the Knicks? Yeah. You know how the Knicks prove to me they're doing their job. Get me a coach. I don't even know the hell. I don't even know who the hell he is. That's how you yeah, yeah. get me guys when you hide them. I'm like, who the hell is this? Because Nick's always going for the big splash. I don't want the big splash. See, I mean, you know, there's a few assistants that are obviously in the NBA that are probably ready to to take on a head coaching role. Um, I know the last few seasons for different head coaching roles, Sam Castle, uh, the, the assistant yeah. at the Clippers has been thrown around. Um, he'd have a ton of experience and probably rightfully so deserves a head coaching crack at one at some point. Um, we know Becky Hammond eventually is going to get a head coaching role. Um, you know, she, she's been an assistant in the NBA for quite some time. Um, what's the guy? I don't know if he's still with the Trailblazers, but he might be somewhere else at the moment. Um, Vanta. David Vanderpool, I think that's that's how you pronounce it. Vanderpool. He's another one. 
Yeah, um, I'm Duke Adoko, who was under uh, Pop for many years, as well as um, Edor Messina, another one of Pop's. Has been, I mean, these are these are assistants that have been assistants in the NBA for quite a while now. That I think that that at, at some point they're going to get a head coaching role. Um, you know, they're they're not known as head coaches, so that's you know, it goes sort of with what you're saying. You know that. You haven't, don't know much about these guys as a head coach because they haven't had that head coaching experience, but they have been assistants. Um, Sam Castle's a name I keep circling back to just because of how long he's been in the league and under not just under Doc, under a couple others as well. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he'd be the right person for the job, but, I mean, you know. Um, yeah, it, it, yo, it is crazy how the toughest job – and sport and all of sports right now, it might be the Knicks head coaching job mm. of this offseason. That might be the toughest head coaching because me and you can't we can't really sit here and, and be like, boom, I want him as a coach. I don't even know, bro. I don't No. No, well, tough. even the name just the names of the assistants I just mentioned, any any of them would would do a good job in my opinion. Um, they obviously have to be given the opportunity to, to prove themselves. Um, but I mean, you know, just based on their experience and say, you know, certain ones that who they've been under, you know, whether they've been under pop or doc rivers or something like that. Um, you know, you, you, they've got to be given a, ch- 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 you know, a chance at some point, they can't just be, keep on being assistants unless they want to be an assistant coach their whole career. Um, I'm sure most of those names I mentioned, like a Castle or Becky Hammond, obviously has aspirations to become a head coach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I just don't know, though. I, I can't, you know, but I'd like to at least see some of those names be interviewed, um, at least. Um, you know, uh, so, again, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I just I just hope they, they take their time on it. Um, and don't just just make a quick decision. They, they really need to interview a fair whack of people yes. before deciding. I reckon. Yeah. So when we, you know, talking about the head coach, goes right into my next subject. The next head coach got to be a guy who could real R.J. Barrett in. And I know the Rising Stars game. You know, it's just a pickup game, you know, watch the best yeah. players on the court. They play this minimum defense. But I noticed one thing. I noticed that Team World, they was letting RJ bring up the ball. And the offense went through mm. RJ. Yep. And as I'm watching the Knicks all season and I'm watching RJ Barrett, one common thing, RJ always has a good game when Frank is the point guard. He has some couple of good games when Alfred Payton was the point guard. But he has a lot of bad games when Alfred Payton is the point guard. And I noticed this trend. Yeah. And I look at Alfred Payton, and I look at Julius Randle. Alfred Payton needs the ball in his hands because he can't play off the ball. Julius no. Randle likes to hijack the offense. I see Alfred Payton and Julius Randle playing buddy-buddy ball, you know, half the game. So the other yeah. game... Alfred Payton not playing. Frank Nelikina starts. The ball movement is flowing. I see RJ getting the ball. I see the ball going through RJ late in the fourth quarter. And I said, hmm. Yeah. 
Is this because Alfred Payne is not in the game? That RJ's getting the ball much more? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe they need to build some consistency on that. The, the, the thing is, I would actually wouldn't mind seeing now. Obviously, it's already been reported that they're definitely, when it comes to the draft, they're going for a guard. We, we know that. We know they're looking for a, a, a top-end guard. Um, but in saying that, because I can't, I can't say it's going to be Anthony Edwards or it's going to be because I don't know who they're going to choose. None of us do, so I'm not going to I'm not going to put a name in there. But so I'm just going to work off of Frank and RJ, right? So just to, I reckon they should trial when you got those two on the court. Put Frank where I think he'd be better suited in that Tony Allen type role as a defensive shooting guard, and let RJ be the point guard and run up the ball. Because I've been saying for ages when I used to see him do that at Duke. That offense was so smooth, um, you know, him and Zion connecting, you know, on mobs and everything. Um, you know, I, I think right now, even though it's not his position, but he could be the best point guard we've got on the bloody team right now um, from an offensive standpoint of getting that offense going. Um, and no one can sit there and go, oh, but he'd be big for a point guard. So is fucking Ben Simmons, excuse the language, but he's huge for a point guard. Um, yeah, so yeah. don't matter, you know, LeBron, he'll run the point too. Gianna, I've seen Gianna's running point and running the offense like, you know, so I think they should give RJ a go. Um, because when, like you said, when he, when he runs it up in that world game, like that, that was just running so smoothly. He was finding his man. Um, um the other thing I like, like you said, in those type of games that don't play defense, but yeah, he kept going at Zion a few times. That's why he got booed at one point. <laughs> and I was just like, that is so funny. <laughs> but, What's um, even more funny is ESPN, the grade they gave him for the game was an F. <laughs> he had 27 points and they gave him an F. You know, yeah. clear bias from ESPN. Man. You cannot watch ESPN if you want good Knicks talk, man. You cannot mm. watch ESPN for Knicks talk, man. Nah. <laughs> the only the only so, one I as I said I'll I'll listen to and it's more when he's doing his own podcast, so when he's not on with Max and Molly, is Stephen. Mm-hmm. Now I don't I don't blame Stephen A. I I actually find him funny when he goes on his big rant and goes off and I can understand, you know, him being a he's been a Knicks fan for a while. I mean I know he's a fan of numerous teams too, but He's been a Knicks fan quite a while, and, and he does. He, I, I, I can understand why he gets up at him and goes, oh, why are they made this decision? Why are they doing this? It's blasphemy. You know, he just wants to see a good product again. I think, you know, it, what the last time he's seen a good product on the court was when Ewing was r- running around for us. So, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. sort of blame him for having his little things, but it's more a comedy thing when it comes to Stephen A. But then he has got points at times, but he's probably the only one. Off, off an ESPN that I take notice of. Max Kellerman really shouldn't be talking about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, he be destroying the Knicks, man. Well, yeah. he's a sucker. But anyways, you know, I'm watching that backcourt. I don't need to see Alfred Payton play for the rest of the season. I'm sorry. No. no. DSJ, I don't care how bad DSJ is. You want to know what's funny about DSJ? He's going on pace to be the first NBA player in the history of the NBA to shoot at least 200 attempts 
and shoot under 40% from the field goal range, under 30% from three, and under 70% from three. That Ooh. is move. Let me throw another stat at you. Did you know R.J. Barrett has a lower true shooting percentage than Frank Milikina on this season? Ooh. <laughs> and you'd think that would be unheard of, really, but, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> you cannot. When you want your young guys to succeed, you put them in the best positions possible. And this goes yeah. in right into this next guy. This guy, Julius Randle, I don't give a damn how many 20 and 10 games he give me. He does not fit with R.J. Barrett. And no, no. Salute to, salute to nothing but Knicks, the guy Mark that be on there, because I agree with him wholeheartedly. And me and him been talking the same thing for about three months now. When Randall is on the floor with Barrett, it does not work. Reason why? Because Randall camps in the paint. Mitchell Robinson cannot shoot a jumper yet. I think he shot one jumper outside of 10 feet this whole season. Mitchell Robinson does not have an offensive game, and he will have to step his offensive repertoire in order for this offense to go to a different level. Exactly. (laughs) These guys, man, they got to figure out, when it comes to this roster and roster construction, when it comes to R.J. Barrett, you have to build a roster around this guy. You keep Frank, you keep RJ, you keep Knox, you keep Mitch. You need to trade Randall this offseason. season. I'll trade I would love. I will trade Randall for Larry Marketing. I will now do it so fast. And I, so fast I would trade Randall for Marketing. I don't know if the Bulls front office is that stupid, but let's wait and see. But um more news. The Knicks is looking at a Scoring point guard in this draft. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah. Finally, after two decades, we finally about to pick a point guard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got a weird feeling about this draft lottery, bro. You want me to throw, can I throw this at you, bro? Let me see how you feel about this, bro. Oh. I really think the NBA is going to give us a top two pick this season and force the Knicks to pick LaMelo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I can see it. I can see it. And I mean, you know, anyone that anyone knows that the commissioner has always been a big Knicks fan. Um, uh-huh. so, so you know, I think he he'd like to see the team he, he supported all his life um, start start winning games and being you know a good team. You know, like um, so. Definitely, I think I think we're going to be put in a position where, yeah, we we can get that point guard that that we need. Um, you know, and, and I dare say that at the top of our list is is obviously going to be Lamelo, um, scoring point guard. Um, his defense is still coming along, but you know he's got the length, he's an ability there to to keep improving in that area. But yeah, offensively is is where I think he will combine really well with with RJ. I think. Uh, I think his game would complement RJ's and vice versa really well. Um, I noticed down here, going to a few live games, he gets the ball moving. Um, and and mm-hmm. to an extent, he was only taking shots when he was pretty much wide open unless he drove to the rim himself. Um, 
But, yeah, he, he made sure that ball kept moving around, which is something I think the Knicks have lacked is ball movement. Um, and, and, yeah, getting someone, bringing someone like him in from the draft, that, that's going to up that ball movement, get it moving around. Um, obviously, you know, you find your open man, he takes his shot, boom. Because um, I've noticed this season there's a lot of them. And Julius is bad for it, for taking contested. Oh, my God. Yo, yo, hmm. yo. The last game we played against the Pacers, bro, I swear to God, bro. You know why we lost that game, bro? This Go back and watch that game, bro. Go hmm. to the second quarter, bro. Watch the whole second quarter. I swear to God, bro. The first quarter, yeah. the ball was moving. The ball was flowing. Randall was giving up the ball. You know, he, Pass, pass, boom, take the shot. Pass, pass, boom, take the shot. The yeah. second quarter, this is on coaching and this is on Randall. Mike Miller decides, oh, let's let Randall bring up the ball. Turnover. Oh, let's give Randall four straight ISO possessions posting up in a triangle offense, knowing that his IQ, his IQ is poor. Turnover after turnover after turnover, bad defense. And you know what's bad about Randall and why he's a bad leader? Because he'll have a bad offensive game and he'll carry on to his defense. And then you see him not hustling back on defense. He only hustles yeah. on offense. And this is disgusting for me to watch. I've been watching this the whole season. And I and dude's telling me, oh, he's but he's averaging 20 and 10. That is the most envious 20 and 10. I've seen it a lot. And I'll put it this put it this way. I, I compare him to Andre mm-hmm. Drummond because I heard a conversation when it came to him when he was on the Pistons. Oh yeah, the guy can go out there and he can give you twenty and ten or sometimes it can be, you know, thirty and fifteen. But is it resulting in wins? Not so much. Same thing with Julius Randall. He could go out there every game, give you twenty and ten. But if it ain't resulting in a win, it's not good enough. And, and then when you look at the game, like you said, he's only hustling on one end. Well, you, you can't be out there hustling on one end and then not back on the on the other end. Team scores on you, so that completely outdoes the point. You just got up to the other end on offense. So, Bro. you know, oh my god, it's just question. really ridiculous. Yo, question, bro. Is it just me? Does he look off RJ Barrett and Frank Milikina and Kevin Knox? And, and Mitchell Robinson for lobs. Is it just me, bro? Is it just me? Nah. Am I, am I, I'm being nah. too hard on Julius Randle, bro. Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing. Um, I, I don't think, you know, and I don't know why, but I don't think he's got any trust in, in a lot of his teammates, um, which is really <laughs> weird because it should be the opposite way around, you know, like, you know, you're not moving the ball and, and you're doing this and that, getting the ball stolen. Because you're over dribbling and spinning and doing silly, you know, stuff. <laughs> the, only place, <laughs> the only place he's worked, and it's because he was working as just a straight out four, was in New Orleans, and that's when he had a proper point guard at the time with Drew Holiday um, and that. But he was only, they, and they made sure they only kept him in that power forward role, not a point forward, just straight up, stay in the paint and. Or, Come out if you want to come out, but mainly, you know, just play your game at the four. That's all he had to do. Um, that's when I believe it works when, with him. Um, if uh, just the roles he's been given since becoming the Knicks, and they've sort of looked at him as 
I don't know, a bigger star than what he actually bloody is um, and and thought a lot more of him than most of us think of him. Um, yeah, he's just a basic powerful. That's a, a small ball centre even. And that's all he is. He's not, you know, he, he's not a, a facilitator. He's, he's not good on defence when he sh- probably should be. Um, he doesn't even give the same amount of effort at that end. Um, yeah, he's... Now he, he definitely proved, without a shadow of a doubt, that he, he was actually a bad pickup. Um, you know, we all, all thought initially that he was going to be a good pickup if we were going to yep. get the Pelicans, the Pelicans version of him, and and we just haven't even got that because um, they've played him the way they wanted to play him, and he obviously believes I don't know why who who's got into his head that he he can be this point forward like a LeBron. Um, He's not as skilled as LeBron when it comes to stuff. He's not as skilled as a Ben Simmons to be able to to run the point forward like that. He's just not, um, you know. And every time he tries to be, he loses the damn ball. Oh <laughs> so, my god! You know, him over dribbling like he's trying to dribble the ball like Kyrie, and it's just not paying off for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it, um, it, it, it'd be bad with Randall, man. It'd be it'd be like. Three possessions straight. It don't even be like he'll have a bad possession and then the next possession he'll make the good pass. You know? Yeah. Have a bad possession. And then the very next possession, he'll take a 22-foot mid-range jumper. And you're like, bro, how the fuck you shot that? Yeah, exactly. You You know know what else is my argument about this guy? He has less blocks than Kevin Knox. I'm going to keep mentioning this. Every podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the love it's of something God. something else about him too. Something else I noticed about and, and I mean, I've said this about Dennis Smith because I, I'm not really high on guys with little T-Rex arms, but for a big boy, he's got short arms. He's, he has, yeah. Julius Randle. Um, still, with, with, his, with how he can hop, it, it shouldn't stop him from being able to block certain players still in the game, but yeah, he's he has got a very short wingspan. Um, I don't know if that affects him at all, but it's the effort. It's just the eff- the pure lack of effort. Um, yeah, it very much lack of effort. He's supposed to be, you know, came here and thought he was going to be the man and the bright lights have, have gotten to him. He, he has not played well under those bright lights or the pressure. Um, yeah, he just he hasn't lived up to anything or done anything of what anybody thought before the season that we were going to get with him. Um, I don't know. I'm in agreement with you. I, I personally would rather trade him in the off season, and go for a, a Laurie Markin, and if Markin gets put back yes. on the trade block, um, yes, you know, at least then we'd have a stretch four. I know, I know Laurie's not the greatest on defense, but he's still young enough to get better. And what I do see from him, even though he's not the greatest one, is he at least shows effort. Like he's at least out there trying on the defensive ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think with a little bit more bulk on him, that might help him sort of be a bit more stabilizing force on the defensive end. Um, you know, because I think he's still a little bit light and gets knocked around a bit. That that could be some of his trouble. Um, but again, it's something you can work on. The main thing that you notice with Laurie Markham is that he at least tries. He puts in the effort where you don't even get that from Julius Randle. Um, so it would be it would be a good pickup if we could if we could swap those two. Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of Nick fans been talking. You know, a lot of us been talking about it, bro. The Knicks group, 
we've all been talking about it, yo. What's up with Laurie Marketing? Because it's ironic we, we talking about Laurie Marketing when we had Porzingis. And another reason why Steve Mills should have been axed last year, you trade Porzingis for a box of cookies when you could have had Porzingis with Mitchell Robinson with R.J. Barrett. But that's a story for another day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, Steve Mills. Jesus Christ. Um... So, you know, we go right into the next thing. Dennis Smith Jr., Alonzo Trier, Damian Dodson. Yeah. DSJ, he's been god-awful all season. He's been so – and I had so much high hope for this kid, me and you both. But I remember you I, – I, I forgot which podcast you said this on. But I remember you saying you was a bit skeptical about DSJ's fit next to RJ Barrett. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um what was your reasoning behind that? And well, obviously you are right because he he damn sure doesn't fit with RJ Barrett. But what do you think happened to this kid? Like what what happened? Did the drafting of RJ Barrett happen and shook his confidence? Was the was the the we want Frank chance during the first game? But did that shake his confidence? Was it Keith Smart? Was it David Fisdale yanking him? Was it him not starting? No, shook his I, confidence. I think what what the hell is wrong with him? I, I personally think with everything you just mentioned, I, I'd go on to say that it, I think it's a multitude of issues. Um. Like, I mean, for for a young fella like him that, that is trying to prove himself in, in the, on the biggest stage, in the Mecca, um, hearing those chants that night that we want Frank, I mean, that, that could have shook him quite a bit. Like you said, Ooh. getting yanked in and out, in and out, that could have shook him a bit. Um, you know, the bringing in of Alfred Payton um, and then Frank, you know, toppling both of them and taking that spot initially – I mean, that, that could also have done it. But, see, with me, then, then there's a lot of people that kind of overpraised him from what he, he'd done in Dallas. But then I go back to NC State, and, I mean, that, that team and himself was just horrible. Like, um, yeah, I didn't really think he was great running the offense. Um, you know, he, he didn't get that ball moving a lot. Um he, he sort of was becoming a liability at times. He'd have his moments on defense and then he'd have his, I guess, your James Harden-esque looking lost type moments. Um, you know, uh, I, and, and the other thing that I, I said about uh, with him, and I, I think it's actually, I think it's actually been a real big negative too. Um, it usually is for players with short little arms, but I think that's gone against him and, and people can just block him all day long, <laughs> you know. So yeah, there's, there's, I just think it's a multitude of things. And I, I don't know. I think, okay, this is what I think with him. I actually think he'd be better off elsewhere. I think he might be a similar case to Markel Fultz. He might need to go to a smaller market, away from the lights, away from all the big hoo-ha media and that, and go and relearn the game of basketball again and, and start fresh, start over again. Um, yeah, I, I think if he stays on on our team, he it, yeah, it's, 
he's not going to improve or, or be given really much of a chance to improve. Um, it's, no, it's no way he's staying because no, no. we're drafting a point guard. Oh, if Rip, I know yeah. we're drafting a point guard. I don't give a damn what nobody say we're drafting a point guard. Oh, yeah. Even if Anthony Edwards is on the board, think about it like this. If we get the number one pick, the Knicks is picking Lamella, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. Edwards is cool. He's cool. But once them, once them, them you know, them height charts come in and the wingspans come in, then you, then you find out, oh, Lamelo's 6'8". Oh, you got a seven-foot wingspan. But, oh, he's the best passer in the draft. You throw yeah. out all the negative stuff about LeVar Ball. We need a point guard bad, bro. And, and yeah. me wanting a point guard outweighs me wanting Anthony Edwards more than anything. I want a point guard. Lamelo yeah. Yeah. is the guy. Yeah, I, I, I know he's Lavar Ball's son. I don't give a damn about Lavar Ball. You can. Yeah. I don't. I don't even think you care about him. The fans, you could care. About, I don't give a damn about him. No, we got to be quite Honest, if he if he can hang back in the background and keep quiet, you know, he got interviewed a couple of times out here when he obviously um, Lamelo was playing down here. Um, if he can keep being like that, that that'd be even better again. Like he was totally the opposite of the loud mouth at the Lakers when Lonzo was there. Um, you know, he he went out, he just you know had his interviews. But most of the time, he sat in the background, sat in the crowd, and let his son go out there and do his thing. Let let the 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 stuff on the court show people. You know, this is this is how my son. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. You know, go and try and advertise him like he did with Lonzo and stuff like that. So but, I'm but hoping he, that he he did yeah, lie. Everything he said was true. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. From when he said Magic Johnson was a figurehead, that was true. Magic Johnson yeah. really, he yeah. really didn't have the power. He say from where he said, um, Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball can get a team going. You just gotta give him a chance. I see Lonzo Ball on the Pelicans right now. He looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> the way I've always, so, I mean, a lot of people don't don't like him, but I'll put it to you like this, especially like out here. Um, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but you know, I could just sort of see him. I was close enough in the crowd to sort of see how he was and how his person. He's just a he's just a very proud dad. That that that's, that. I mean, you know, he, he's just an extremely proud dad, especially of his two. Yeah, out, out of the three boys, his two best sons with the most skills. Um, you know, so he doesn't lie when it comes to Lamelo and, and um, Lonzo. He, he he just speaks the truth. Um, you know, but. You know, I think he's kind of learnt from being out here that he can kind of just, you know, sit back. He doesn't have to do all the glorified stuff, you know, the, that Lamelo's work ethic speaks for itself. His game speaks for himself. He, yeah, you know, and it, just in interviews, he was a lot more calmer. He still had his LeVar bravado, but, yeah, he, he just wasn't that big, loud mouth bringing unwanted attention, um, not not down here. So if he could sp- be that same way... Um, and we get him for the Knicks, that'd be beautiful. Um, although, in saying that, his personality kind of, kind of, he, he wouldn't phase him in the New York media, you know? He'd, he'd probably thrive off of it, if anything. <laughs> Man, I, 
we need a point guard bad, man. So I, I know Dennis Smith Jr. is gone. If I'm the Knicks, yeah. I'm giving Frank a, a, a four-year, 20 million. Wait. Yeah, a four-year, 20 million or a five-year, 25 million. And, you know, hope he get better. Dotson, I'm paying Dotson. And the disrespect to Dotson lately. Yeah. And to Alonzo yeah. Trier because – People don't talk about Alonzo Trey enough. So we're going to bring Alonzo Trey into this talk, too. The disrespect to have Mo Harkless just get to this team and play over Damian Dotson and Alonzo Trey is very disrespectful. And Dotson has been having a good season so far, from my eyes. He's been having a productive season. He's had bad games, but every, you know, Every Nick has had bad games. Alonzo yeah. Trier, on the other hand, you playing guys like Wayne Ellington over this man. You playing Dennis Smith Jr. over this man. That yeah. I'm in agreement. I really feel for Trier because he's been treated like a freaking cheerleader and a bench warmer. Now, that's all they have used him for, you know. And then, you know, that they sit there and I've seen, you know, certain – um, you know, people out there going, you know, he hasn't done it. Well, he hasn't been given the opportunity, you know. There's, nope. there's, Mike Miller, obviously, don't know for what reason, has no confidence in him. And no one from upper management is saying, obviously, to oh, give him some minutes and put him in. I mean, he's just sitting there, man. And it's really sad to see considering, you know, um, I know Dotson's the better defender out of the two. But, you know, I say so. Is re- still really good on offense. He's still young. He's yeah. still learning, but he needs time. How how does one expect this kid to improve or, or implement himself into the system and into the offense and that if he's not even be given an opportunity? And that's why I think I've said on a, on a few podcasts in the past that as much as I wouldn't want to see it, I'm starting to get to a point of just free the boy, let him go somewhere that's going to give him minutes because he's. You know, he's still young, and I believe that he's got the ability in there to, to at least be a good role player on a team if given mm-hmm. the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So disrespectful. Wayne Ellington, you play him over Alonzo Trier for what reason? We have 17 wins. It, bro, I've been done with this season for about two months now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we lost cause for yeah. – I've been, I, I've been calling for this season to be done two months ago. I've been calling for the kids to play. Well, exactly. Right now. Especially in this period. I mean, what you know, we're not we're not making in the playoffs. So, I mean, what what's no. the point in giving the vets more minutes over the young kid? Like, the vets are vets. They don't – they can't improve their game anymore. Like, Wayne Ellington ain't going to improve from the player that he is. So, why bother giving him the minutes that he's getting over a guy – that's younger than him, that's still got a career ahead of him, that needs the minutes to, to improve, to make any adjustments in his game, to learn any Like, there's only so much you can learn off a coach sitting there listening to him, you know. Um, you know, if you're not getting playing time, you, you're not getting to see any action, so therefore you're not getting to, you know, try certain things or, you know, whatever. But, yeah, it's just it, – it is. It is disrespectful to both those two. Um, and I'd like to see them just play the young kids now for the rest of the season. Um, obviously, they're not going to bloody – we all know they're not going to sit there, their big dollar man, uh, Julius, but 
you know, no, don't play. You know what else is disrespectful? When you see Julius Randle and he's not hustling back on defense, he's not passing the ball. Why are you not benching this man? Accountability is needed. And that's another thing that frustrates me about this. I think that's a mandate from the from upstairs from Scott Perry to continue to play this man. I need Scott Perry gone. I need Mike Miller gone. I'm done with them both. I've been done with Mike Miller since he said that press conference. And what he said was so dumb to me. I said, what the hell are you talking about, Mike Miller? And he was talking about, you know, oh, um, I think Jonathan Magri asked him a question about player development, about Kevin Knox and, Tom, and, and you know, his time in the court. Mike Miller said, oh, well, player development doesn't always happen on the court. What? So you mean to tell me a kid sitting on the bench and not playing is going to make him a better player? That does not make no sense. I need no. them kids playing. I don't need to see Reggie Bullock on Monday, bro. I, I, no. I swear to God, I'm going to lose my mind, bro. If I got to see him, I don't need to see that. And this is what I, this is what I think about that Mark Berman article we was talking about earlier. I think it was a perfect setup to go into Monday and to play the kids. Another kid we ain't talk about. Money Mitch. Mitchell Robinson. Fan favorite. <laughs> Love the kid. Can I tell you three things I don't like about Mitchell Robinson, bro? Yeah, yeah. I don't like the fact that he can't shoot the ball into an ocean. That's one. Two. I don't like the fact that the coaching staff does not allow this man to dribble the ball, handle the ball, or show a face-up game. That's two. Three. I don't like the fact that the staff has been gluing this man to the bench and we're a 17-win team. Yeah. That's only my that's only my beef with him. He hasn't fouled out of a game, and Lord God knows how long. But those three right there is my main beast with this kid. What would you like to see from Mitchell Robinson for the rest of the season? Yeah, well, I'd like to see him obviously um, improve and, and uh, his paint game a little bit more when it pertains to the offense, you know. Show me a, a few other little things. Um you know, I, I want him to start adding a bit to his offense. Um, you know, whether that's the jump shot, shot more consistently or or um, shooting a three here and there. I think now, see this. This is what got Ben Adebayo going. I think someone on the team needs to go up to Mitch and go, right. I want you to take at least one shot, one shot from behind the arc, because if you don't, you got to give me five hundred dollars, just like Jimmy Butler's doing to Bam. And, I mean, look at Bam, bro, in that skills challenge. He won the whole thing and shot threes, and everyone was like, holy crap, there's a guy who's not used to shooting threes, but he got all these threes. Um, you know, that could – things like that can help a, a guy unlock a little bit more of his game. So maybe someone needs to push Mitch in that regard to start at least attempting to, to take – because that's the only way he's going to learn or get better and, and add a little bit more repertoire to his offense if he takes the opportunities. 
And with his height, I mean, you know, could you imagine if he started doing like, for example, like a, a sky hook, like Kareem, man, like so you just, that'd be nearly unstoppable at his height. Like, um, even, even a little, little, little jumper, like, there's not a lot of players that are going to get up to reach that, even with hops. I mean, Zion and some other guys like that might. But, yeah, I'd just like to see more from him on offense, you know. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know, get some sort of offensive game about him, sort of. It doesn't have to be exactly like an Akeem Olajuwon because not every big man can be like that on offense. But you know what I mean? Like, Show a little bit more than just catching lobs and putting them in and, you know, needs a bit better footwork down there in the paint on offense and stuff like that. Defensively, we know he, what he can do. But, yeah, I just want to see a little bit him open up at his game a little bit more in offense. Mm-hmm. He, yo, can you give me you, – you, you know what I love about um DeMontis Sabonis? His footwork. Mm. Yes. Footwork is elite. This book, you know, in 2K, when you posting up and then you go out of a post up and then you post up again, but you turn to your left and then you post up again, but you turn to your right and you know, you know, you're trying to get the angle. That's every time so I see some bonus and I'm seeing posting them up. He's going to the left, he's going to the right. I wish Mitchell Robinson had those post moves, bro. And then some yeah. bonus could shoot threes. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like him, and and you look at guys like even a cat, um, Joel Embiid to a certain extent. Like, you know, they all they all can move their feet. They've all got a, a very uh, good offensive repertoire. Obviously, in Sabonis and Cat's case, um, you know, they, there's not much that they can't do. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see Mitch become in that form, like a Sabonis, like a Cat, like an Embiid. Um, yeah, because what he's doing at the moment really isn't all that much, uh, you know. So, um, yeah, we just need to see some more. He needs to get with a with a good coach that, that's that's going to teach him these skills and te- work with the footwork with him. and Because um, he, he could be very, very dominant eventually, especially once he – he puts on a little bit more bulk again, and um, but yeah, if he if he can, geez, if he can become half of what Sabonis is, bro, I'd be satisfied with that. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of big men, I don't know if you're watching college a lot, but there's this kid, a freshman, his last name Okawano. Okawando. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, I'm probably butchering his name. He's a big man. Yes. This kid has the sixth highest freshman BPM 2.0 since 2008. Only five in, in front of him are Zion, Brow, Kevin Love, Cat, Michael Beasley. Oof. Yeah. And only two players in, in recorded NCAA history to log a season of 10-plus block percentage over two steal percentage, 70% from free throw, 70% from at the rim. Oh, my Jesus. And 3% free throw rate are Ogawano and Anthony Davis. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Low-key prospect. You know what I want the Knicks to do? 
with that 25th pick that we get for the Clippers? I What's hope that we right? get that pick. And I would like to trade one of those Dallas picks, and I would like to move up in this draft because I want to back up Big Man for Mitch or I want a forward I could take Randall's spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing too, and uh, a large see a, a large part of something that, that you know that that I've sort of been wondering what's happened and what with him and and that is they uh, they signed Kenny Wooten right from the G League to a two way contract, and uh-huh. still yet to see Kenny Wooten suit up for the Knicks now. Wooten, um, you know, when he was playing, well, playing 38 minutes down in the Westchester Knicks, he was putting up 13, five, uh, five rebounds, four assists, four blocks. Um, he was known as a high-flying blocker out of Oregon, um, and he hasn't disappointed, averaging about 3.6 to 3.8 blocks a game in, in Westchester, uh, obviously producing numerous highlights you can see on YouTube there. Um, but he hasn't stepped on the on the damn floor. Oh, I mean, I... I'm really curious as why they did what they did with him, and then they just haven't even bloody used him. Um, another one, you know, they'd go and draft Ignas Brzezikas, who again's just had a hell of a year down in um, down in Westchester, and haven't been bothered to bring him up. And now would be the time to give those two guys minutes with the other young guys. Um, see what they got, what they got in them. See how they go up in the big league. Um, both, as I said, both Wooten and Brzezikas have been docked pretty dominant down in Westchester. But, you know, again, that that's an, another couple of players that aren't seeing minutes, you know. Just, yeah, it doesn't have to be every game, but, you know, every couple of games, throw, give them, you know, throw them out there, run them out some minutes, see what, what they can do. Is that Wooten? Whew. Jesus. Yeah, he, he, he is a block machine, that kid. <laughs> and his energy, like his energy there. I've watched, I've seen a couple of highlights of Westchester. Just that kid's energy, man. Like he's like a energizer bunny. He doesn't stop. <laughs> I need, oh man, I need the Knicks to bring up Wood. We got this. This Knicks team has a great potential to be a great defensive team in the future. You see, RJ. Yeah. You, you you know the one thing I love about RJ the most his defense, bro. Like yeah, his yeah. defense is way better than what I've ever expected. And got him. We got Frank Nellikita. He can play some defense. And we got Mitchell and you Robinson. know what? Go ahead. I was going to say, you know what? The funny thing with with that what you just said about RJ that was the knock that. Coming out of the draft, everyone's like, oh, you know, he's a bit skeptical on defense. You know? And then he started, then he started showing out. I was like, oh, don't worry about his defense. <laughs> don't worry about his defense. It's coming along. Um, it, it actually did surprise me just how quickly along that came. Um, and the other thing yeah. I've always all season appreciated with RJ when he's going to that rim, just how strong he is, and some of his spin around moves to get around somebody oh. he can do like. Oh. He is stronger than he looks. Put it that way. <laughs> he's yeah, great at getting, and we've we've needed someone like that for a while. Um, now, when it comes to offense, I'd just like to see him develop more, a bit more of his shot and jump shot, and obviously keep working on those threes and free throws. 
um, get better at that, especially the free throw line. They've, if there's been one atrocious mark all season when it comes to RJ, it's been that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might even need to slightly change his, his free throw shot a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes it looks a bit flat. Um, but, I mean, again, that's something that can be worked on. It can be fixed. Um, and and the reason why I say it, it will definitely get fixed is he's one of these guys that, that just isn't satisfied. Um, and he, he he's already said on numerous occasions, he, he can already pick out what he needs to improve out of his game. He's, he's said multiple times, yep, three-point shooting, free-throw shooting to start off with. Um, you know, once that opens up and he starts nailing them at a good clip, boy, oh boy, is he going to be a dangerous player because teams then they won't that they, they, they won't be having to expect him anymore or having to come right in then. Oh, we've got to respect that. Okay, he can shoot it from out here now. Oh, he's got a nice jump shot. He's getting it from out there, you know. So that's all I want to see. Card day. He's got time. He'll get there. Um, he's got the right people around him. Um, and we all know who his godfather is. So he'll probably be working out a lot with Steve Nash again, um, one-on-one in the off season. So um, hopefully next, next, next year I start seeing a little bit more offensively from RJ as it pertains to shooting the ball. Now, last thing, and I guess we can get out of here. Last thing. Interesting name right now. You know, but I feel like, you know, we got, we got to talk about it a little bit. A little bit before we get out of here. We got to talk about it. The small forward position. In the power forward position. Mm. We have the worst collection of power forwards in the league. I think people, Ooh, yeah. I think people talk about the point guard position a little too much on the Knicks, bro, because we don't have no flashy point guards right now. Understandable. RJ isn't a flashy player. Understandable. He's on technical skills. The power forward position for the Knicks is the worst in the league. The small yeah. forward position for the Knicks is garbage until Kevin Knox shows me something. What? What are we going to do with that power forward spot? And I'm just hoping if it was me, I'm waiting for Giannis. Tell you what, if it was me personally. But what the? Do we solve it? And like, are we going to solve that during the draft, bro? Are we going to solve it during free agency this offseason? Are we going to look at a guy like Brandon Ingram? Because, you know, the Pelicans might not give him $30 million. The Knicks, the Knicks might, you know, give him – Yeah, I've got to agree with you on that. I, I'm saying right now, the Pelicans don't sign him. The Knicks would be stupid not to at least get an interview with him at the table because that kid since leaving the Lakers is – it has totally lived up to the hype coming out of the draft that he had. Um, he's starting to become the player that everyone believed he could become. Um, he would be perfect for the small foot. And the good thing with him, he's another one like RJ. You could play him as a point forward because he's really good at running yes. off the off. Yes, you know? yes, yes. I think the Lakers, the Lakers figured that out just before they traded him because they played him a few times at point guard, um, obviously, mm-hmm. and it was working out then because of how, uh, no, he's tall, but he's very small build, like a Kevin Durant and stuff like that. So 
I think they did that because at the time he he was getting knocked a bit around in the forwards position at that time. Now that he's sort of at a, you know, he's still got that skinny frame, but you could tell he has added a bit more muscle and he, a bit more strength there. He's got a bit more strength than when he was at the Lakers. Um, you know, he can power through. Um, he's got a hell of an offensive game. He works his ass off on defense as well. Um, be a solid, solid pickup. I, I think, um, yeah, again, if the Pels aren't willing to pay him, I, I'd pay him. I, I'd give him yeah. up because he's young. He fits the timeline of this team. He'd fit this team. Um, he'd be an answer straight off the bat for small forward. So that'd be one less forward position we have to worry about. Um, as for power forward, now, if we're not going to try and get somewhere out of the draft, um, you know, we might have to start looking at the free agency or, um, like you said, uh, a small trade for like a marketing or, or someone along those lines um, if they get put back up on the block. Because, uh, yeah, none of these forwards are any good. Um, the only one I've kept saying the whole time, you know, I mean, at his age, I don't expect anything for him. I just want him on the roster more for the the locker room presence is Taj. You know, you just sit him at the end of the bench, let him do what um, what Lance Love Thomas used to do, you know. Um, yeah, Love Taj. Yeah, because he, he's, he, you know, he'd be good for the young forwards that we would have to, to you know, for them to have their ear to the ground, listen to him. And he could act like another coach in training and stuff like that, you know. So I, I think he'd be all right just keeping him at the end of the bench and, and in that Lance Thomas vet, you know, locker room guy type role. But then every every other powerful Porter, he can go. Julius Randle can go, you know. Like, they're just not going to work. It's just not going to work um, with those two Um I think Portis had already gone. He only had that year, so I think he'd be yeah. out the door. I couldn't see, couldn't see us re-signing Portis whatsoever. Um, no. but, but, Bro. Know, I, I say definitely pull the trigger on that marketing and trade if the Bulls are uh, are ready to move on. They they almost moved on. They almost, they were trying to get rid of him before the trade deadline um, because you know I don't think him and Carter, Wendell Carter play all that well together. They tried, they kept trying, and I just don't think it was working out. So, um, yeah, you know, I I don't know what power forwards are going to be free agents, obviously. Um, But then again, then that would also come down to, well, do they fit the time frame, you know, the timeline with these youngins? Because you're going to want someone to fit that timeline with with RJ and Knox and, um, mm-hmm. You know, if that's who we bring in, you know, these are all 19, 20, 21 year old kids, respectively. Mitch, um, like you said, Dotson, another one, he, what's he seen at 24, 25 or something like that. So you need to look at players who are going to fit that. Um, yeah, I just I just really hope that they get the right power, you know, four in there. And if it was someone like Laurie, it'd be good because we'd finally have a, a proper stretch four. Uh, which we've been lacking, lacking badly. Um, I see most teams that have a, a, a decent stretch forward tend to tend to have a good run throughout the season, you know. So if, if, if we could get someone like that or even a stretch four out of the draft, um, yeah. But it's definitely a, pos- a position that needs to be focused on because we already know 
the first pick we get, we're getting a guard. We're choosing a point guard. We already know that's that's locked down, that's clamped, that's a done deal. Um, but like you said, if they can't find it on the trade or the free agent market, then look to move up again in the draft to be able to get a decent power forward out of the draft. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to see a, a good young starting five run out there next year. I wouldn't even, I don't, I don't even think I want to see a vet in there unless it's someone like a, mar, a young vet like a Markinen or a, or a Ingram. That would be the only sort of vet I'd like to see um, other than that, yeah. So, I guess we got into everything. I guess we got into everything. Um, you know, any final words for the people, man? Any final words for the people before we get out of here, brother? Yeah. Um, well, we all all know Knicks fans. We all we're all at that point that we know this is one of those seasons again. Um, well, let's let's just kind of hope that the young kids now start getting all the minutes. Um, the more minutes, the better it's going to be for them. And um, yeah, let, let's let's keep cheering on our young guys, and hopefully we can we can pull out a few more wins and end the season on somewhat of a of a positive or good note. Um, let's hope Leon Rose comes in and puts together a, a, a front office, a good front office. Uh, you know, people with good connections, good IQs, good scouting department. Um, and, and see who then uh, becomes the new head coach. Let's hope we make the right decision there. Every one of these decisions, I think, this time around, it needs to be so spot on and so precise. Um, I know as a fan base, we've had enough of these quick fixes. We've had enough of these dumbass moves. So, um, <laughs> yeah, let, let's just hope and pray that Leon Rose can put together a heck of a front office and can get this franchise turned around and back to, you know, the last time we were any good, really, which was purely the 90s Knicks, man, with the Ewing and the John Starks and that. We need a product. We're desperate for a product like that to at least be in the playoffs, you know, playing in the playoffs. Um, it's been a long time coming. I think we're all sick of being the number one selling merchandise and number one selling ticket team and not having a good product on there, you know. So, yeah, let, let, we just we just got to hope and pray that we're making the right moves now, and let's just um, continue to support our young guys. Uh, chant, we'll make chants at games. Every game they're not given the minutes, we we'll do it like we did it earlier in the season. We did it for Frank, and they listened and they gave us Frank. So we want to see more of Dotson. We want to see some Wooten. We want to see some Miggy. Get those chants started. And let's see if we can we can get these boys some minutes and, and some game time. Man, please, man. Need it bad, bro. But you know, it's good talking to you, brother, man. It's good talking to you, man. It was a lengthy conversation. We had to get this one out, man. It's been too long. Definitely. Uh couple of weeks, man. But you know, salute the Knicks Nation. Episode 84, State of the New York Knicks Podcast. And my guy, Mr. Mitchell, in the building. I'm out of here. It's your boy, Slizzy. Peace. Peace.